world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard to Raise, the Internet's physical therapist, Dr. Joe, drops by with some great tips to help us work the kinks out of caregiving. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard to Raise on Spotify. Parents are hard to raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. Pain can hinder every aspect of your life, making even the simplest of tasks unbearable. Thanks to technology, instead of constantly taking over-the-counter painkillers or turning to dangerously addictive opioids from your doctor, there are now alternative solutions. And that's where my special guest this week comes in. Dr. Joe is a licensed physical therapist and host of the outrageously popular YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Joe. She earned her doctor of physical therapy degree from the University of South Carolina and has worked with a wide variety of patients, ranging in ages from 1 to 92, including NFL athletes and great-great-grandmothers. Dr. Joe's mission is to use her skills and knowledge to help as many people as possible through the benefits of physical therapy, especially for those who don't have access to adequate health care. And this week, Dr. Joe is here to give us the inside scoop on some really cool, high-tech, drug-free techniques for treating chronic pain, muscle injuries, and common ailments at home. Dr. Joe, welcome back to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thank you so much for having me back. We're so happy you're here, and this topic is especially going to be helpful for myself with my mom um, because she's she keeps saying to me, "Oh, every you know everything hurts, everything hurts," and the doctor gave her Tylenol with codeine, and I don't want her taking that because I'm oh, afraid, no. yeah, she's gonna fall <laughs> or you know it kind of just affects her. So I I think maybe our first question would be. What is pain? Because I can't figure that out with her as well. <laughs> right. And and it sounds like such a simple question. Yes. But, um, you know, pain is really more of a complicated process than we think that it is. And I think it's really more important to know exactly what is pain to be able to truly treat what's going on with you. Um, you know, just like you said, often we go to the doctor, we say something hurts, and we're prescribed some sort of medication for it. Yeah. But the real question is, you know, why does it hurt? What kind of, quote, hurt is it? Because there are different kinds of hurt, and it really makes a difference. And, um, you know, a lot of times medication isn't really fixing the problem. It's just kind of hiding the pain so you don't think about it for a little while. Yeah. Um, so pain is really our body's way of telling us that something's wrong. Uh, the way you feel pain is a, is a pretty complicated process, like I said. It's basically pain is felt when 
signals are sent from the site of pain to your brain, and then your brain sends a signal back to that area telling you what to do about that pain. So yes, you heard that right. You don't actually feel pain as soon as your tissues are injured. Even though the signal is fast, you don't feel or react to pain until your brain gets a signal and then tells you what to do about that pain. So it's it's kind of like Think about maybe getting stung by a bee. If you see it happen, yeah. sometimes it might take a second or two before you actually feel that, uh, that stinging sensation. But in those few seconds, your brain gets the signal, processes it, and then sends a signal back saying something like, oh, my gosh, this hurts really bad. Run as fast as you can. Or it might say something like, oh, you know, this just hurts a little bit. No need to panic. Just kind of swat that bee away. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, your skin gets red, it might swell, but really the severity of your reaction completely depends on your brain and it's different for everyone. So one person might be allergic to bees. So your brain says, oh my goodness, go into full protection mode, start swelling up. But for someone like me, there might just be a little stinging sensation and usually I don't have any swelling at all. So Pain is actually a good thing when it's in the acute phase, but the problem is when it becomes chronic. Okay. And what is that, chronic pain? So, so chronic pain is really when your pain lasts for more than three to six months. So oh. even sometimes after a surgery, yeah. it, might, it might take up to six months before you start really feeling better. But when chronic pain happens, often the tissue is already healed, but the brain continues to tell you that that area is hurt for one reason or another. And so, uh, you know, it, it kind of is almost like a misconnect between your brain and that tissue. Yeah. And, um, you know, chronic pain really takes a toll physically and mentally on people. And, you know, it can cause you to become depressed. Right. Uh, if you have a job, sometimes people lose their jobs. Um, often people are now becoming addicted to these painkillers that they're, you know, getting prescribed. Right. And people with chronic pain are actually at a higher risk of suicide. Um, so that's kind of a scary process yeah. when you think about it. And um, in 2018, the Center for Disease Control, or the CDC, analyzed a 2016 National Health uh, Survey, and it found that 20% of the U.S. adults, that's about 50 million people, have chronic pain. Wow. But a lot of research actually shows it's much higher than that. It's more like 100 million people are affected by chronic pain. And that's just in the U.S. alone. That's not even in the whole world. Right. Um, so chronic pain is really common among seniors. Um, yeah. Eight in 10 struggle with multiple health conditions, and that can cause high rates of chronic pain. And I think, sadly, just, just kind of like you mentioned, you go to the doctor, and the first thing they do is want to prescribe opioids. And, you know, opioid kind of medications are, you know, really devastating, and they can, you know, cause that premature death, especially in the older population. So it really becomes a vicious cycle of, I have pain, right? so I'm not going to be active, or maybe I'll take pain medication, and then I get sleepy, so I'm not yes. active. And then when I'm not active, I tend to hurt more. Yes. <laughs> you know, our brains become stuck on this pain, even maybe when it's no longer technically there because the tissue is healed. But we often tend to think, oh, well, if I move or I try to exercise, I'm going to hurt more. Right. But really, the exercise and stretches will help decrease that pain. So, you know, and 
I find with my mom, like, I'll say, well, what hurts? You know, I'm, t- I'm trying to get her kind of to describe that we're trying to figure it out. And I'll say, well, let's move a little because you're just sitting. You're not moving. No, it hurts. You know, right. so absolutely. I-, I think that's probably hard to, we don't even know. Is that a good question? What, what hurt? You know, how, describe the pain. I don't <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that's kind of where it comes into like, what, kind of pain is it? Because there's a lot of different kind of pains. Um, There's nociceptive pain, which is often like when you have an injury, you know, it's a fracture, it's a bruise, it's a sprain, it's a strain. But you also have nerve pain, which is neuropathic pain, which is maybe a nerve is pinched in your back Uh, or in your neck. And it sometimes causes actually pain somewhere else in your body. It causes referred pain. And then there's sometimes that psychogenic pain, which is People might say, oh, it's all in your head, but it's not really all in your head. It's, you know, you have that deep ache feeling where you don't know it's coming from, you know, you heartache sometimes, like if some traumatic event has happened in your life or, you know, maybe if something else is going on, an underlying condition that you don't know about and it's just your whole body hurts, but you don't really know what it is. And those are different kinds. So if you say, you know, it's sharp, it's tingling, it's numb, it's burning, all those are actually really important ways to describe the pain to help your healthcare provider figure out what exactly is going on. Yeah, and that's good because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not even thinking of those words. I'm just saying, well, what hurts, you know? But, right. um, and I don't, yeah, I, and I don't know if sometimes, you know, physicians, maybe they figure, well, let me just give you some Tylenol or <laughs> something, you know, and that'll, I guess, kind of take care of everything. But that is scary, especially, you know, for any of us, but especially in the older population. Right, absolutely. So uh, what are some, you know, alternatives for pain relief? So there's a whole lot of alternatives out there. And and the surprising thing is, I think what what doctors often think, especially for the, the older population is, they just give them the pain medication because they don't think about other things right. first. You know, they don't think of exercise might help, you know, other modalities that are like topical treatments. But I think a lot of times, honestly, the doctors might go, oh, this person's elderly. They're not going to be able to handle the exercises and things right. like that. But that's that's not always their first thought, but it really should be. So things, of course, like my number one would be physical, physical therapy. therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, the, the technological side of it um, is something that's called a TENS unit. And um, I'll go a little bit into that more because it's coming more popular. Sure. Um, but even things like improving their diet, um, you you can even use like topical pain relievers. Um, another big thing that's becoming popular is therapeutic yoga and okay. also meditation. So those are just just a few that are some great options that you can use. Now, how does like improve diet? How does that affect pain? Your diet. So that's a great question. So a lot of times um, with diet, and I would say probably especially in in an older population, maybe even if they're living on their own, they're not getting the nutrients that they need to stay healthy. You know, they might be getting frozen dinners, they might be eating cereal at night just because they maybe not don't have the strength to make a healthy meal. Um, But even things like with pain in general, um, having foods with anti inflammatory 
anti-inflammatory properties um, help kind of calm down the inside of your body. Okay. Um, things like ginger root, uh, turmeric. Um, there's there's a bunch of different kind of things that you can just add into your food um, that have those anti-inflammatory properties. And so I think a lot of times improved diet is a kind of an easy place to start. Yeah. Um, you don't have to make big changes, but sometimes just making little changes really kind of help you along the way. And now uh, topical pain relievers, are, are those like over the counter? Yes, okay. yeah. So topical pain relievers, things um, like the the stuff you'll see like a spray on or a rub on that you'll just put on your skin, like over the painful muscles or joints. And those there's a lot of uh, different products that use different ingredients, but usually they're they're all natural ingredients. So some of the common ones are um, menthol, lidocaine, capsaicin, and these are really more just um, distractors for the brain. So um, sometimes they. Get give off a cooling feeling. Okay, yeah. um, lidocaine gives off a numbing feeling. The capsaicin does kind of a heating effect. And so that just kind of almost takes your brain away from the pain so you can do the stretches and exercises that ah. you need to do. Okay, and now yoga, therapeutic yoga. Yes, yeah. I know this. This is becoming much more popular. I actually have a, a a good friend who's a coworker who mainly does therapeutic yoga now, and and she's a physical therapist, but she's kind of geared towards this. And so the theory behind it is it's kind of an adaptation of both yoga and therapy. So this is not. Uh, doing handstands and twisting your feet over behind your head and things like you would typically think with yoga. But it's really kind of a blend of restorative yoga, breathing type of work oh. and meditation all together. And I think the reason it's becoming more and more popular is one, a lot of times, sometimes um, someone with a little bit higher degree, like a, a therapist or something is yeah. teaching it, but also these movements are doable for any age level. So, um, you know, I've been to some of her classes and, you know, I might be the youngest one, but there also might be a 90 year old uh, young lady in there who is, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of doing circles around me just because you know they're they're able to do the things and feel better doing them so it's another it's, I think it's going to become more popular as we see it get going yeah definitely and uh meditation so meditation I think a lot of times people just tend to want to say oh meditation right. that's silly it's all about you know becoming one with yourself but I really think that um pe people need to take a look at meditation meditation because it's using different techniques to really kind of train your brain to be more um, aware and attentive to your body. And, um, you know, it really helps kind of mentally and emotionally clear your mind and your body. And sometimes um, it doesn't have to be these big meditation type things. It can be simple breathing techniques, um, as simple as, you know, just taking a deep breath in for, you know, seven seconds and then holding okay. it for eight seconds and then just letting it all out. And sometimes if you just take a nice one deep breath, yeah. you'll go, wow, I feel a little bit better. So We're going to continue talking with Dr. Joe. But first, if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. 
Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard to Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku. And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. So, Dr. Joe, uh, the staff gave me some questions. And, <laughs> and, of course, they put words in there that I'm they're going to laugh at how I pronounce I think they were in a medical dictionary oh no okay (laughs) okay so the first one is do you have exercises to strengthen the medial epicondyle (laughs) the the medial epicondyle okay okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) can you tell us what that is (laughs) so the medial epicondyle is actually the inner side of your elbow and the the epicondyle itself is the bone so you'd probably want the the muscles that attach to that the stretches for that and so a lot of times if you have medial epicondylitis that is what we would call golfer's elbow and then if it's on the outside it's lateral epicondylitis and that 
that's the more common one that you might hear tennis, tennis elbow. elbow. And 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 the crazy thing is, even though it's at the elbow, those muscles that attach to it are your wrist flexors and your wrist extensors. So it's really um, usually a repetitive injury. And I do have stretches and exercises for both of those. So um, I think I have several videos for each if you want to check them out on my YouTube channel. Oh, that's perfect. And, and, (laughs) um, actually, well, we want to talk about your new book because this question can go with what you're going to tell us about your new book. So tell us uh, all about it. (laughs) Okay, absolutely. Uh, Well, let me talk a little bit first about TENS units in general. Um, So TENS is really just under an umbrella term called electrical stimulation. And electrical stimulation really is just treatments that deliver electrical currents to your body for the purpose of pain relief and rehabilitation. So there's many different types of electrical stimulation. um, But my book really goes into talking about TENS and EMS units. And so TENS is really, it just stands for transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, which is a mouthful. So that's why we always shorten it to TENS. Um, But basically what it does is it uses that current to kind of cancel out the pain signal to your brain. It's way more complicated than that, but I really like to kind of explain it that way to my patients and my viewers because that's kind of what the current does. It's it's that distraction to your brain where you Ah, feel this vibration sensation so you're not thinking about the pain um, at the same time. Now... uh, can anyone just buy a TENS? No, a doctor or a physical therapist? Yes, as a matter of fact, <laughs> okay. um, in in recent years, probably in the last 10 years, because when I first started out as a PT, you actually did have to have a prescription from your doctor. But um, in, the, in the last few years, uh, TENS and EMS units, which are electrical muscle stimulations, which actually helps retrain the muscles, have been approved by the FDA for purchase over the counter. Really? Um, okay. So you can get some almost as inexpensively as $25, $30 now, and then they can go up as fancy bells and whistles and you can get one for a thousand dollars but they all kind of do the same thing and I think people are really beginning to realize that you know not only are they inexpensive but they help decrease that acute pain that chronic pain Mm. and really help uh, reduce or even eliminate the need for those those often dangerous medications Um, after my surgeries I've had uh, two hip surgeries a shoulder surgery and a couple hand surgeries and after day one I just used a 10 unit in ice and I didn't need any pain medication. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, um, how, how would you know how to, with the t- place, the electrodes, right? With a TENS unit? You, yes, okay. absolutely. So my, my book that's coming out August 20th Perfect. is called maximum, maximum pain relief with your TENS unit. And, um, so I just go into a lot of detail about kind of explaining pain like I did at the beginning so you can understand it. And then I go into how to use the unit, how to place the electrodes properly over different areas of the body. And then I also show at the end of the book, a whole bunch of simple 
simple stretches and exercises. There's over 200 step-by-step color photos oh, that wow. you can use in conjunction with the TENS unit um, just to really get the best possible results. Because the TENS unit, even though it does help increase circulation to the area, so it does kind of help that healing process, it really is needs to be used as well as treatment of strengthening those muscles and stretching them out and getting the best possible results. But what I, I really like about my book is um, a lot of my viewers will often ask if I have printouts or handouts of the stretches and exercises. They say, I love watching the videos, but can I have something in my hand to go with it? So these stretches and exercises you can actually do without the TENS unit as well. So oh, um, you can really good. get it for either. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now this leads to my other, uh, the other staff question, which, yeah. oh my gosh, can TENS help ridiculopathy of the neck and upper back? <laughs> and you have to tell us what ridiculopathy is, and even if I yes. pronounced it correctly. Yes. You did, you did, that was great. Um, yeah, so ridiculopathy is really when the nerve root right at the spine is getting compressed or pinched for some ah. reason, and then it gets inflamed. So a lot of times with ridiculopathy, you actually feel more of the pain, maybe it's going down into your arm if it's your neck, or if it's in your back, it'll go down into one of your legs. Um, sometimes, you know, people will feel it like sciatic yes, symptoms yes. or something like that. And so, yes, it can. Um, it, it can help with nerve pain as well, um, but in the same situation, it's not gonna it's not gonna solve the problem. But a lot of times, it will help calm down that pain enough where you can do the stretches and exercises to help get rid of that radiculopathy. And I do have some videos for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Okay, <laughs> I know they try to stump me. See, I, <laughs> I think they're trying to stump me as well. <laughs> no, so and I would imagine. Um, obviously, you know, we can start uh, with improved diet and in combination with other things, you know, tens. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Topical pain relievers. Yeah. You can probably, uh, it's really all six, you know, uh, alternatives for pain relief. You can kind of do at once. You can. And, and, and the, and the thing that I always tell people um, is, you know, Physical therapy in general is is really where you should start first um, because it's the completely all natural. You're not, you know, doing anything else except these stretches and exercises. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, it's really underused for the yeah. elderly population. And I think that's because a lot of times caregivers think that there has to be an injury to their parents before they talk to the doctors about getting a referral. But a lot of times, you know, even if it's not pain, it can be balance issues. It can be weakness in the arms and the legs, but you know, it can be chronic pain or fibromyalgia or any type of things like that. And you can get that referral and then come and see a therapist and they can do not only helping you treat current pain, but they can help with preventative measures as well, you know, finding ways to do things so you don't end up hurting yourself. And I think that's something that is just underutilized. But, you know, nine times out of 10, if you come and see a physical or yeah. occupational therapist, we're going to find something wrong. So, <laughs> and we're going to help you find ways to fix it. And even if it's just, you know, short term, a couple sessions just to get you on the right track, I think it's worth going and getting an evaluation to find out if it'll help. And I was going to ask that, you know, for our listeners, 
you know, you can't just go to a physical therapist. You need a referral from your doctor, right? If you have um, Medicare, Medicaid, um, those government uh, insurances, you do need a referral from your doctor. Now, in some states, if you have general insurance like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, things like that, um, some states do have what's called direct access. Okay. And you can see a physical therapist for up to 30 days without a referral. Wow. Um, Okay. But I don't know if that's in all states. I know it is in the state that I'm in. So I would, th- I think that would be an easy question. You could just call any clinic that you're interested in going right. to and asking them first and just say, I have this insurance. Do I need a referral? And they should be able to tell you right away. And, you know, you don't think about, you know, balance issues. You don't think about going to a physical therapist or, you know, or saying to my doctor, could, could you give me a referral for a physical therapist, you know, for right. my parent? Absolutely, because a balance issue could potentially lead to a pain issue if there's a fall or bumping into things or, you know, so it's, that's almost a, a help with preventative, you know, even though balance issues is a serious issue, it can lead to some very serious things, you know, hip fractures. Um, we see that a lot that, you know, I was just walking and I slip and fell and now I have a hip fracture that I have to heal from. So um, getting there first before any of that happens is really the best first step. Now, um, tell us how people can can reach you and also the uh, title of your new book and how they can get it. Absolutely. So you can find me at AskDrJoe.com. The book is... uh, how, I'm like, what is the, the name of my book? Um, but my book's name is Maximum Pain Relief with Your TENS Unit. And you can find more information about that at AskDrJoe.com slash book. So we wanted to make it pretty easy for you. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe, for being here again. Thank you so much for having me again. Oh, this was great information for us. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And parents are hard to raise family. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. We love our parents, but parents sure are hard to raise. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.